Yo. Welcome back to another episode of Footy and Coffee Conversations. Got my coffee right here. You have your coffee, sir. Of what course, you, sir. What'd you order today? I panic ordered. Um, I got an oat milk honey latte. Okay. This <laughs> is a straight panic order. I'll be honest with you. That was not my favorite, my favorite <laughs> drink to make or to have. Uh, it's not my favorite either. I'll be honest, but it's, it's uh, all right. It's It'll happen too. To I agree. Yeah, it's almost giving me cotton mouth, and I feel weird about it. Yeah, we'll like see. It. We'll see how the uh, the interview goes with that. <laughs> oh no! Uh, just oh to no! Start, <laughs> just to start, if you want to introduce yourself, your name, what position you are, what club you're playing for. Yeah, so I'm Michael Kozelik. Uh, I'd say currently I'm playing six or eight most of the time, uh, and I'm a player under the Gaffa for Sporting Christina. Shout out Sporting Christina. For the maybe boys. maybe a little bit of bench player. We don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's a new season, you know. <laughs> Got to come in and perform. Um, all right. So just to get going, we'll have you discuss kind of your your youth career growing up. Um, how you decided what university to go, uh, when did professional soccer become kind of a realistic goal or something that objective you were looking for? Yeah, cool. Um, so as far as youth soccer, uh, when I was younger, did the whole in-house thing, you know, when you're really young, I think I started playing at like three. Um, I was pretty much bribed by my dad to just score a lot of goals with Pokemon cards. That's what he'd buy me. Um, so that's how I got started. And then from there, it became a bit more serious as you're getting older, you know. Uh, I played around just multiple Chicagoland um, clubs, Euro soccer, um, you know, a bunch of those, Bartlett Hawks, all the good stuff. Um, and then when I was 15, I went, um, that's when the academy system kind of just started. And that's when I uh, tried out for the Chicago Fire Academy. Ended up making that. Um, which was like a big opportunity, big step for me as far as I think the seriousness of my career. I was really serious about soccer um, and, you know, I trained hard and stuff like that. But I think as far as professional aspirations, that's when it kind of really took a hold of me around 14, 15 that I was like, I really want to do this and I might have a crack at it. So <laughs> went to the fire. It was kind of like the next logical step. Went to them. Um, Ended up making the academy. Uh, honestly, didn't play a lot of academy games when I first started at academy. I played mostly DA games, so like right under. So pretty much a bench squad for your academy. Um, and I was just still super fortunate that it was a remarkably high level. You know, you're playing with guys like at 16 years old, like that are homegrowns already. Victor Pineda, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Kellen Gully, like big names. So to get to learn under kids that are that good at that current moment, um, you know, it's an awesome opportunity, and that. And, uh, mm -hmm. and real quick, just for people that don't know, the Chicago soccer scene is one of the more serious scenes in the in the U.S. I'd say so. You for sure. You know, in another another even MLS academy could easily have been starting those, but I mean that just has so many talented players that have come through the Chicago ropes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all academies, I mean, soccer is even, is, think of that, they've got to be the most famous private academy that I can think of. I mean, they're yeah. a huge club. 
Yeah, they have so many, so many successful players. Uh, real quick, before you keep going, we're getting a lot of questions about the safari hat that you're wearing. Uh, we have a question. Honest wants to know how much for a safari tour. Uh, what's, what's the story behind that hat? Um, honestly, this is just a good old, I don't even know where I got this from, to be completely honest with you. Um, it's a, it looks like an Adidas hat. I don't know. Safari tours, though, I'm going to say a going rate of uh, $50 um, for everything. The works, you know, drive you around and everything. But yeah, when you're Polish, you got to transition into the sun very carefully. I'm not built for the sun, so I got I to gotta ease my way in. All right. Do you guys, are you guys on Groupon? Is there a discount? Like two safaris? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Look at uh, Kaz's Classic Safaris. That's what it's under. <laughs> You'll be all good. All right, so keep going with your, uh, your, your career. You're playing at the academy. Yeah, so I was getting, you know, a handful of games, like, with the academy teams and then playing at the DA as well. Um, just growth at that time for me was really tenfold as far as my speed of play and just being around kids that were playing at such a high, you know, rate of speed. I was athletic. I was athletic when I was younger, and that's what carried me through a lot of soccer, but I wasn't necessarily, like, uh, you know, um, maestro in the middle by any means like at that point in my life like I was the last place any coach probably would have played me is in the middle of the park they kept me out wide let me run you know whipping balls so I got to develop a lot more of my game at the academy and they forced you into becoming a complete player you know so that was definitely big for me um, that went well for what was that a few years of high school and then you do the PDL system here while in college so I started going to college at DePaul here in Chicago um, I had committed my senior year, whatever it was, junior year, senior year of high school. Went to DePaul my freshman year. Um, was super fortunate that I met a good group of guys there. We had a crazy talented class, which unfortunately like, didn't show on the score sheet that year. I mean, we struggled. We had a really, really tough year in the Big East. Um, and that's when the Big East was massive, you know, like split yeah. divisions. Right. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you had some crazy good teams in there. Um, we struggled, uh, but through that struggle, the good thing, I guess, from a personal note is I started every game as a freshman and was given a lot of play time and, you know, a different type of learning from academy where you're kind of learning a lot of mentally breaking down the game and stuff and you get kind of thrown into college ball and it's so much athleticism. A lot of teams where there's not a whole lot of structure as far as like their style of play, it's just straight athleticism. So. It made me grow again, you know, forceful change um, kind of, you know, makes you a different type of player, a more advanced player. So I definitely 100%. had to be beef up a little bit. What uh, would you think of playing in that in that stadium? We just had a guest earlier this week talking about the DePaul Stadium and the train tracks right there. Yo, biggest, biggest advantage in the Big East was having that field. I'm talking like because then going from when I played at Butler and played against DePaul at that field, hated playing on that field. Tiny, it's packed, super fast turf. The L's running right next to it. I mean, it's hectic. It's hectic there. <laughs> it's a, it's a good time. representation of Chicago, right? 100%. 100%. So you, you have a lot of success your freshman year. Um, and then uh, what, yeah. what decisions going forward do you make? So freshman year, yeah, it went well. Um, we were losing a few guys. Tony Aguilar was like our star forward. He was a senior graduating. Um, we had a few other guys transferring real big names. Um, Ray DeLeon, who you know very well, ended up going to VCU. Shout out, uh, Ray. Yeah, big Ray. Um, 
yeah, David Salvaggi, he left to go to Marquette. So I was just like, it was a tough time for me. You know, it's, it's never good when you're on a sinking ship kind of per se, like at the time it's like, you're like, ah, you know, you see a lot of other good players around you making moves. And, um, that summer at PDL, we had a really good summer with that U20 Cup or U19 McGuire Cup. Made it to the finals, and I, I was talking to my coach before that, Larry Sunderland, and I was like, you know, I'm really looking to be serious about this, and, like, you and I both know I just don't think here's the right spot for me at the moment, you know. I needed um, a little bit more, like, structure. I was comfortable in Chicago. Um, I kind of wanted to get out of Chicago a little bit, you know, challenge myself in that regard, and you know, as much as I liked playing, um, I wanted to be challenged day in and day out, knowing that like playtime would never be guaranteed for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, my coach ended up being good friends with, uh, coach Snape and Butler put in the good word and we, uh, we got the ball rolling. So that's when I made the transfer. So looking back now, um, are there, you know, cause I, I think a lot of the common theme between players is kind of we didn't exactly know what we were doing deciding on what school to go to how to make that decision are there yeah. questions that maybe you would have asked the depaul club or looked into um to maybe have you know not gone there originally or do you think that the route going there and then transferring benefited you um you know it's hard to say you always look back and say you know i could have done it differently it was funny before that i was really talking with georgetown was my other big big team i was talking Shout with at the time yeah big hoya nation so um they ended up signing uh a local kid who they didn't think was even gonna go to college i thought he was just gonna go straight pro ended up going there i kind of lost out on my spot so i was like just kind of the road you face you know wrong time um so I was really committed on going there. Like I was stoked to go to Georgetown. I was like, you know, I really want to push for going here and get that finalized. And then it didn't really work out. Um, so I wouldn't say I would have changed it differently because at the end of the day, I was, you know, I was kind of an underdog when I was younger as far as, you know, I was athletic and sure I was playing for good clubs and stuff, but there were so many better players around me, especially at the fire. Um, yeah. You know, I was, I was one of like the, like borderlines where like coaches told me early on, they're like, you'll be lucky to play D1 soccer. And I was like, damn. So that was like, that was my, my motivation driving force of doing it. And I still knew that DePaul was big East, you know, I'd be under a good microscope. So I was like, right. when I got the chance, I still felt like it was a great chance for me personally. Um, yeah, it seemed right. You know how it goes. Sometimes, you know, you have a lot of good pieces and stuff and it just unfortunately doesn't mesh or certain things change. So we, we just as easily could have had a great year in the Big East, you know, it's just yeah. how, how yeah, it goes. 100%. So um, I'd say, yeah, it benefited me transferring yeah. for sure the way I did. 100%. Um, so then you end up, you go with Butler and Butler at that time had just a, a load of, of studs in that program you guys had a stack team we had a squad that is for sure i mean i could shout out the people that would actually know like a lot of mls guys from the few grades above me i mean we had guys playing all throughout usl championship and we we had really really good guys just good personalities easy locker room and just happen to be super talented so what talking through that process you go from being a freshman starting all the games getting a lot of minutes to now new team so, um a better team probably you know talent wise uh -huh. and you have yeah. to kind of fight and earn those minutes again yeah so um i think probably only my parents know this so when i got to butler um butler had just joined the big east that year and because of that they wouldn't grandfather in me being like a out of conference transfer so my first year at butler i couldn't even play a game a single game 
So I was just there to train, um, go to school, and I got on the team, but I wasn't eligible until the next year. So that mentally, I don't think I really thought through at first. It was more just like transfer, new school, everything's flying, you know, it'd be easy. And I got there and, you know, you're busting your ass in preseason, two a days, Indiana, it's like 100 degrees on the turf, you know. And I was really good in preseason and I was still pumped because it was that new adrenaline rush. Um, and then as you start getting into the first few weeks of season, uh, you know, your mental, your, your paradigm shifts completely because you're like, I can't even play. So your first instinct is like, you can have a, you know, that feel sorry for yourself pity party, or you can push through it and know that there is this goal in the future. You know, like you still are fighting for something. It's just hard when it's not a short term goal. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I changed. I grew up a lot is honestly what it was. I had to grow up. And know that like hey me being a contributing member for this team is not going to be you know in games this year but it's going to be can we give our starters the best practices we can really and i would say that was one of our best years honestly when i was at butler and i couldn't even play in it but we had a really really good depth on the team and it forced the starters to be you know at their absolute best so it was cool to kind of see still how you can contribute to a team even when you're not in the starting 11 for an entire year you know Oh, I think I think the that's a major um, difference in clubs that are or teams that are successful is the players mm -hmm. that aren't playing and how hard they work and training to force those starters to keep their spots because you know I've seen teams where where you don't have that push from behind and the starters know they're going to start and they get lazy and complacent right where, you know the team is so right hundred percent so 100%. then you uh you start next year. Uh, after you're finally eligible to play, what happens then? Yeah, so that was my junior year, technically, or redshirt sophomore year, whatever. But, um, yeah, so first year in, um, you know, it was fortunately the fittest I think I had ever been in my life uh, playing under Snape. He was just an absolute fitness freak and our, showed in our team and how we played. We played a super high press. Um, played left back at the time, uh, primarily, and we had a rough year, to be honest, as far as Butler standards were. Um, you know, again, a remarkably talented squad. It's a few really, really bad injuries that year. That was the year um, Steinberger had broke his face, pretty much. Um, you know, a lot of stuff we were overcoming, you know. And again, it's kind of you're constantly throwing these challenges. I can't think of a year I haven't been thrown a challenge. It's just they usually are different or they look a little the same, you know. And you, you got to face it. It's really what it comes down to. We had a choice. I remember Coach sat us down and he's like, we had maybe two bad losses early on, whatever it was. And he's like, you guys can either, you know, sit there and mope about it, and then we'll let this turn into four or five bad losses, or, you know, try to bust your ass, win out, and see if we can still get a crack at the tournament, you know? Because yeah. you know how easy it is to fall out of tournament rankings. It's pretty quick. So, yeah, it really forced a lot of guys to step up, and I think that's when I kind of learned what, like, real leadership was. When things aren't going well, it's really – hard to be a leader you know anybody can be a good captain when you're winning you know a locker room's easy to entertain um but when you're losing how do you answer and i think fricky was a big answer to that and zach that year um even when zach couldn't play you know super motivational guy and for anybody that knows brandon fricky well you fall in line when you hear brandon fricky yell at uh -huh. you so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he kept yeah. the boys in line for sure yeah no he's a good leader yeah yeah so then um, uh, so you obviously you have success at butler um professional soccer then is looking like your your objective at that point 
Definitely. Um, that was the year two when they kind of started talking to you as a junior. Yeah, what are your real goals? Are you going to try and push to be a professional player? Do you just want to ride out, you know, getting your degree, going into the, you know, the work world? What are you going to do? So I definitely made it clear with my coaches and my staff, you know, I was, I wanted to play professional soccer um, wherever that landed me in their eyes. Cause I know, you know, I still had a lot of developing to do as a left back, even at the time where, I probably wasn't realistically MLS ready. Um, you know, as much as you wish you are and say you are, you know, I had a lot to still yeah, yeah. speed up on and learn, you know? So I was, I was aiming more for like USL championship. I thought at the time, you know, hopefully graduate, get into some preseason stuff like that. Um, ended up weird, wonky stuff kind of happened. Day of draft day, stuff like that. You know, who really knows what all happened? <laughs> weird blurred lines. But anyways, it pretty much left me, as like an ineligible transfer leaving Butler because um, I had a fifth year available and stuff like that. And you have to file obviously your paperwork. So it kind of put me behind the eight ball um, a little bit with uh, the whole draft process. Not that I was necessarily going to get drafted, but the process and then USL stuff. Um, so I was training at Bridges that whole time, you know, staying fit. My coach had um, told me about Brett and everybody up there. So in the meanwhile, I was just staying fit training there. And that's when Brett was like, you know what, you know, no matter what happens here, you know, come on the trip with us in the summer. Let's go, you know, to Sweden and stuff like that, Denmark, and uh, let's see if you can have a crack at it. He's like, I think you're a good player, and I think you got a shot. So trained with him for the entire summer, you know, before that trip leading up to a good four months and landed in Sweden. Yeah, what, what, uh, before we talk about Sweden and all the Bridges trip, I think every group's kind of unique and has their own interesting stories or something do you have any uh memory or something that sticks out particularly from your group from bridges yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i'm sure got a handful but we'll keep it short um one of my favorite things i think that happened on our bridges trip was we land in denmark uh i believe or wherever we landed i think yeah. it was in copenhagen yeah. wherever we were and uh we land and i don't know how we didn't think through any of this beforehand but obviously the vans that we got to rent to drive to kuye um were um manual <laughs> they weren't automatic vans <laughs> i think we had one person in the entire group who could drive stick at the time out of like the 20 something 30 people that are on this trip close to and i remember little brett hall just being so mad he was just like you know what nah. he's like okay throw your cards throw your bags in the car and he gets up and jumps in this front seat and has to prop it like all the way up so he's looking uh -huh. over the steering wheel little guy <laughs> and uh oh, wow he ang he angrily drove our van as i got to navigate for him so that was quite the experience <laughs> yeah i i remember we were in preseason in college in uh, northern ireland mm -hmm. and we, we had the same situation with vans being manual but then to really make it you know it's the on the other side the clutch and all so yeah, you're, like, yeah. <laughs> you're trying to drive stick shift with your left arm. And uh, I, I remember I was with the, in our bus one time with our assistant coach at the time, Nate Miller. And uh, he stalled out like three times in a row. And we're all like, <laughs> we're all like you know, giving him, giving him a hard time. And at yeah. one point he turns around and says, unless you want extra fitness from this car, shut up until I get there. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so, it's a struggle. So you go to Sweden, um, you play some, some friendlies against teams. You obviously get picked up by a team. What's that? Yeah. First international yeah. contract. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be hypercritical of myself or just honest with myself. Um, 
you know, it wasn't a smooth road for me. I was uh, there. I had a few games that were very average. A few games I was lucky I played really well in against, like, Halmstad, big clubs. And, uh, you know, at that time, you know, you have to walk that fine line as a younger player still. Is You have to have confidence in yourself, is which I firmly believe. I mean, you have to be very, very confident in yourself. Rate yourself highly. Like, if you don't rate yourself highly, yeah, I don't know what's your objective for playing. You know, it's hard to you know, what are you going to play if you don't want to rate yourself and really put in the work to rate yourself? Um, so at that point, like, I was super confident in how I was playing as a player, and I felt much more complete as a player. Um, so I was just like, I really want, you know, a big contract. I just played against a massive club, played super well. Why aren't I getting a big contract? And then you, you very quickly realize the reality of the world is you're still a nobody. You don't have – what does your resume – what does college mean to, like, you know, these professional clubs and stuff like that? It really doesn't mean a ton, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had a real quick reality check of like, wow, this is what I thought I deserved. And then, you know, I get this Division three contract in Sweden, and, you know, and everyone's just looking at you like, yep, that's what you get, and you're going to take it. And you're like, well, all right, I guess so. So, you know, again, that was a big growing moment for me where it's like I could pout and, you know, just stop playing and be that guy that's always telling people, oh, I deserved this, and I played good in a few games. But I was like, you know, I'm going to put in the work, and if this is my starting point, this is my starting point. So, um you know, again, was fortunate. I ended up loving it. I lived in like a tiny, tiny village in the mountains in Sweden. Um, we were kind of like an anomaly of a club, how we were even as high ranked as we were at that time. And we were fortunate enough my rookie year that we got promoted. So that was a super cool experience I got to learn like early on and be a part of um, that I wouldn't trade for anything. I mean, that was one of the still to this day, one of the coolest things being promoted in a tiny, small town like that and seeing the impact it has on like those fans in the town. We were uh, is interviewing Palumbo earlier this week, and he was talking about his mm -hmm. first year, how they got relegated. So a big, <laughs> a big, very different first year experience as a team. Definitely, definitely both polar opposites of uh, the emotional scale. <laughs> so then, what? What's your thinking? What's your process? You had a good, you know, first half a season professionally. You get promoted. What What are you thinking going forward? Right. So then, you know, obviously you're flying, you're cooking with confidence at that point. So I just, I really just knew that my goal, I was never somebody, I'd be lying if I said I was someone that wrote down a lot of goals or like had it on paper. I really don't. I, I just always knew and I've always kind of had it in me where it's like, I don't have a problem knowing I want to be really good at what I'm doing. And I don't feel the need to hide that from people. You know what I'm saying? So I was flying at this point. I felt really confident and I was just like, you know, I want to keep climbing the ladder. Um, I was fortunate enough that my club had been promoted, so I was comfortable going back for another year. Um, and I knew that there'd be new challenges and stuff. I was once you're in Division Two in Sweden. For people who don't know, I mean, you're at the highest, you know, semi-professional amateur level before it becomes fully professional. So the level, like, I knew I'd be challenged at that level. There's really good foreign players in that level, all fighting to get into, you know, the top three tiers. So. I knew that was the next challenge for me and um, busted out another off season at Bridges, really uh, putting in the work and trying to develop as a more complete player. And I was very fortunate as well that some of the guys we had on our team in Sweden were older players towards the end of their careers, but that had super successful careers and, you know, Europa League games and stuff like that. So I was also trying to pick a lot of their brain, you know, while I was playing with them and what can I take from that and modify for my own game, you know. I think, I think Division Two Sweden's really interesting with that because you get young players that are trying to work their way up the ladder, and mm -hmm. then you get a lot of old players kind of on the downhill but have so Without much a... knowledge to share with, with those younger players if they take advantage of it. 
I mean, without a doubt, it's I, I laugh sometimes at like how fortunate I was in, uh, at that club at Nordvarmland. I mean, uh, I was playing with, you know, three guys at that point that had played Europa and Champions League games for Red Stars and in Ukraine. And, you know, and it's just, just to think back that I was that lucky, yeah, that I got to become, you know, not only players with these guys, but form friendships with them. And I still got to learn from them for a few years. It's like beyond me. It's so cool. So Turned then, down. what uh, you have a good off season? What you decide to do? How does that season go? Yeah, so um, off season went well. It was pretty standard. Um, I was coming back from my first sports hernia, unfortunately, that I played that whole first year in uh, Sweden with. Um, so I was really getting healthy for that. I'll be honest, I got too beefy. I really did. I couldn't run for a few months, and I was just doing physical therapy, and I was lifting a ton. So I put on like. 30 pounds I felt great like I was big oh, and strong and then uh yeah and then by the time I was like training again and got back on the field and was allowed to like touch the ball I was like oh my god like I felt like a brick like I couldn't move so <laughs> it was kind of a whole new the first time I had ever battled having to like really really cut weight for playing again but um luckily it came pretty pretty quick at bridges running a ton um you do enough sprints it'll go <laughs> yeah yeah get Brett uh, mad enough a few times and you're, you're back fit. So, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I went back to my, my club in uh, Sweden for year two. Um, we did well at the beginning, actually. Had a, a fairly good start. Um, came to the mid-season break, I think, maybe in like fifth place, right around there, sixth place, um, with the second half of the season to push. Uh, had a few trials that I was trying to line up with Division One teams at the time and then fell into the classic, uh, visa issues, you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, had to head back home pretty much a week into that summer break. Um, came back, and that was a real tough one for me because I felt great. I was flying, um, and to have my season just all of a sudden cut from you because of visa issues, you're like, you're kind of back to square one. You're like, okay, that went great and it was awesome, but now I can't finish out there. What's the next move? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I was, um, you know, talking to a lot of guys that had kind of been through it, what they're picking their brains. Abador, who we've had on here, um, I mean, been a huge help for me throughout my career since meeting him. Um, as far as just, you know, he's a very realistic guy to talk to. And I think that's what a lot of kids need when they're in that situation. Because you can feed yourself a lot of lies to tell you, oh, it's, oh, it's this isn't that bad, or I shouldn't worry, and stuff like that. When realistically, you, I mean, <laughs> stuff happens quick, windows close quick. You, you have to be, you know, on your toes with really trying to find out what you could do next, where you belong, and being realistic about it. So, yeah, Abador helped me navigate. Yeah, so Abador helped me navigate that um, a ton. And by the time I, uh, yeah, by the time I had gotten back home, um, I went on a few trials here for stuff coming up in the states. But the windows don't really lap, you know, the same way. So it's it's tough. So it was again a lot of training on my own and just being responsible for your own development um, when it's not ideal. So luckily, you know, Bridges has been there through and through for me for that for the last handful of years. So that, I, yeah, so I, God, what happened? That seems like such a long window, that window I remember between those, like looking back on it now, I have like PTSD from that, that summer. Uh, yeah, so I came back, I remember trying to stay fit for that long and I was like it was mentally wearing on me towards the end and uh the next season came at this point I was like this is it for me like realistically as a player I gotta I have to make something happen I if I get trapped into the whole visa thing playing half year by half year I'm really not going to develop and no one will take my CV seriously um 
so that next upcoming season, me and Abador, I'm, I think he might have mentioned it. Uh, yeah, he, he he had some he had some like tentative trials set up and stuff like that. I was just reaching out pretty much cold calling clubs um, in that my division from before divisions above. We went to I went to Linchelting City and I literally lived in an apartment with another American player that we knew Kyle Kanotek at the time um, had set us up through the club to stay in a, an apartment. Um, trained there for a few weeks. Uh, Abador had already moved on a few days after to another trial. So then I was just at Linchelting for like a week and a half. Um, I mean, the definition of the grind. I mean, we lived in and out of a hostel for a few weeks. <laughs> we were we were doing it all. We were training um, with a kid who had started, like, one of the first big private training uh, companies in Sweden. He was a few years older than me at the time only. Um, but he had, like, keys to, like, old hangars and closed warehouses with turf that you've never seen. It's so old. Uh, and that's, like, what we were doing, training, staying fit, and doing these trials. The grind, uh, man the epitome of the grind so we were really all over the place it was nothing was certain um all i really known was talking to dave i was like you know i'm 20 what at this point 23 maybe i was like i i have to make something happen i don't sign a contract this year and i don't you know i'm done you know that's what it was and uh super fortunately as i was sitting there i had a buddy hit me up uh and he's like hey like i see you're on trial and stuff like that like how's it going and i was like you know the visa thing is going to be tough to get over here again. Uh, I'm playing well and I'm fit, but we'll see. And he was in Australia at the time. And he's like, well, here, my coach is interested. I showed him your stuff. Um, give him a call, message him on Facebook, and let's see what happens. And three days later, I was signed and flying to Brisbane, Australia. So it was a, it was a really wild preseason that year. <laughs> it, it seems to be uh, so many guys' stories of, like, they have an idea of where they're going for a year, and three days later, they're on a plane yeah. to some other country. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was nuts. I remember I landed in Australia, and uh, my legs were so fat. I was in a plane for so long, it looked like I was pregnant. I had to, like, for that day, I trained that night, and I remember I had to sit in my room that whole, like, next eight hours, and I just kept my legs above my head. Because I was just like, my legs were so heavy and they were so bloated. I was like, what is going on? I had never seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did Australia go? What was that experience like? What was, what was different from Sweden maybe to Australia? Yeah, uh, Australia was great. Um, I was fortunate again that I found myself in a really cool club. Uh, I played for Albany Creek Excelsior uh, for the first half of the season in Brisbane. We... At that time, I think we're undefeated going into the halfway point of the season. So everything was flying. It was super good. Um, I was, you know, kind of hungry as ever at that point and, like, really hitting stride and feeling good about myself as a player. So I, you know, I was always chasing what's my next move, what's my next move. Um, looking back on it, I wish I would have enjoyed some of the moments a bit more. Um, but, you know... I was just hungry. It was just super, super ambitious. And that's when I was um, on the move in Australia and went on trial with a few big clubs down there, Marconi Stallions and stuff. And, uh, you know, ran into some similar issues. I played really good at Marconi out of Sydney. Uh, they were interested in signing me and unfortunately couldn't clear visa space. They had a visa player that they were almost positive they were going to sell. And then the team that was buying him uh, dropped it. They didn't want to buy the kid anymore. Couldn't clear enough, another room for visa for me. So, um, <laughs> So I ended up going down to Melbourne and played with uh, David Caban uh, for a while at his club. Yeah, so because I just Melbourne was like the scene in Australia as far as like how they kind of rank their regions. 
Um, your best football is played in Melbourne. Sydney was a close second, and then it kind of worked its way northern and western Australia, historically at least. You know, there's good right. teams everywhere. Right. Um, so I just wanted to be under, you know, the best microscope I could. Went down to Melbourne. Uh, we had a super good ending to that season. We tied a ton, but we didn't lose a game. I think we lost one game the whole second half of the season in Melbourne. So, you know, I I had good stats and loads of game film from that year. Um, was playing kind of a little all over, a little center back, left back in the six. Um, but I was super confident in my game film. I was like, I got a lot to show at least. And, uh, you know, was kind of trying to walk that tightrope as I was getting to an older player of like, you know, you're ambitious, and but you're getting more savvy on where you know you really belong in the rankings <laughs> and stuff. You're not like, all right, I'm going to go play Champions League now. You know, it's an honest not yeah, yeah, and that's, I think, uh, if we're all going to be honest as athletes, I think that's maybe one of the hardest things to uh, mature into being able to do. It took me forever to learn to be able to do that. You know, I I know for a fact when I was younger, it was, like, very, un, uh, very, uh, unrealistic. very unrealistic. That's the word. Very unrealistic with some of the things I just thought I deserved for <laughs> looking back on it. I think it's a challenge because you have to have less, like, self-belief that can't be shaken that you know like right. you're the best but you also have to be honest of where your level is and i think oftentimes as a younger player you either take one or the other so your self-belief goes mm -hmm. down because you believe that your worth is how you're you know honest assessment yeah. or you have unrealistic ex expectations linked to your self-belief so right i'd say definitely i mean when i was younger my ego was humongous and then you know as you keep achieving things that's great but you got to keep the ego in check which definitely happened to me again when i got older and started playing with really really accomplished players and they kind of chisel away at it for you without even being rude it's just like you start to just put things in perspective you're like oh wow like really where am i how much more can i achieve you know mm -hmm. so you start to become more realistic um but yeah, I was super, I was pumped, I was buzzing. I was like, you know, let's let's get this rolling for, um, I thought for sure I'd land, you know, a fairly big contract in Australia, I was hoping at that point. Um, and, you know, it was hectic though. I can't remember what was going on at that time. I had a few like end of season trials that had like fallen through and then they were taking their time. They're like, oh, well, they're kind of laid back in Australia about the trialing process, which was really weird. Everybody wants you to trial there. I don't, I, you don't almost hear of anybody signing without trialing at any level, which is really strange to me. You know, it's, uh, I get it to a degree, it's certain things are going to call for a trial, but I'm talking like, sometimes it's like guys that played in the same division, they've seen them play or played against them multiple times. So they're like, all right, come trial. It's like, <laughs> I kind of think you know him as a player now, but so they were like waiting very hesitant on all these trials, like how long are you gonna be in the country? And I'm like, well, I'm really not gonna sit around here forever. You know, yeah. I was I was so hungry. I was like, where is my next contract? I want to sign this. So I went back to the states for the off season. Um, got back to work with everything as far as like trying to find teams stateside. I went on a handful of trials that off season um, up in Lansing. Didn't work out. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I was like, I had become very uh very sour to u.s soccer if i'm just gonna be completely honest i i just the whole process to me was just rough i you know i didn't find much success in it which probably contributed to why i was just so indifferent i was like, yeah if we're gonna be honest um because i was just like you know what for me it's just not in the cards and i was open to going back overseas um i knew i had known teams in sweden i figured that's where most of my connections were so I set out again uh, with my old club in Sweden. I was like, you know what? I can at least play here for half season, get games, and then try and sort the next thing out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, preseason was a bit of a circus, some internal issues, stuff like that. And uh, so when I got a hold of you, look at that. Then our then our that. paths crossed. That's how we got here. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to tell people or if I want to tell people, whatever. But how that all went down. But yeah, essentially, you know, you you got into your position newly and everything, um, which was awesome. Super cool position to be in, and I was just fortunate enough that our paths crossed at the same time, and I was. I was super open to the idea of playing under a coach that like genuinely cares about your placement and stuff. I knew who you were as a person and, you know, knew that that would, you know, carry into your coaching philosophy, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it worked out well because we were, we were looking for a midfielder at the time and you had, your club had had some issues and you were looking for a move. So it worked out perfectly and it saved you from, uh, having to do the, from Sweden to Australia flight or something. It's a little easier to get from Sweden to Finland. Save me another around the world flight. Yeah. So then you, uh, you played at in Finland for sporting last year. Uh, you had a lot of success, I think made, made a name for yourself in the league, uh, in the, you know, in the area around all of us, you had some, some bangers of some goals from farther out. Um, what then, what are you thinking after the success of one year there? What's your, you know, what's your thought process going forward at that point? Yeah, I mean, so last season was, you know, remarkable in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I mean, just meeting a new group of guys, always a new country, you know, change of pace is always super cool. So I was fortunate for the opportunity. Um, we learned pretty early on that we had a group that could definitely overachieve, I think, for what, you know, maybe the preseason um, idea was for us or what we could achieve, I think we had some solid pieces and we were really lucky that we, you know, added a few more solid pieces as the season went on um, with Yuri in the back line, you know, Omar, great guys, Benny, you know. Um, so achieving what we did came in fourth, correct? Fifth, fourth. Fifth. Yeah. Fifth. So, I mean, yeah, ending where we did last season, I was super stoked with knowing, you know, going into another off season, you at the helm, um, you know, you, Yari and everybody, you know, finding our next players the last few pieces to the puzzle i was i had faith in the vision and i know that the club was ambitious to go up so uh made it easy for me as a player to get behind that you know i would love to be a driving force to help the club achieve its success ultimate success that it can and um you know it's just a bonus that i happen to get to play under you know a coach that is a friend of mine from before and with you know a great town and people that you know really treat you like family i mean i've never had as much support from a community, I don't think, as playing for sporting. And that's not being like, haha, I play for sporting now, just bias. Like, genuinely, genuinely, I've never had uh, a community as invested in my well being and how I'm doing and the countless dinners we've been invited to and stuff like that. I mean, it's a super unique experience for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's a major factor in continuing to, for me, at least personally, to want to come back and be involved with this club. I was thinking before the, the interview today, um, and I was just like, huh, I wonder if, like, it would have been interesting to go back to, like, the first time we had met at Bridges all those years ago. And if yeah, we had gone, yeah. like, oh, I would end up being your coach or whatever, just, like, how, right. how weird that would have been. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's such a strange dynamic. And I think that's probably one of the questions I get asked the most from, like, other people that are, you know, more soccer players, but even, like, friends of mine, they're like, is it like weird walking a fine line? Like you knew your coach, he's not that much older than you. You knew him as a player. And I was like, to be honest, if there's 
there's a handful of people you could do it for because we know just as easily the people you could never play under that are your friends. You know what I'm saying? Like I definitely have great buddies that are great players, but I would never play under. I just know I wouldn't. Um, and I think that just goes to speak for your, your reputation. I don't think there's a lot of people that couldn't play under you. Um, you make it easy as far as, you know, very personable, but holding people accountable. You know, we can have a relationship and that's great. But at the end of the day, I know when, you're serious and when things need to be done and down to business. So it's, it's that good balance, you know, the healthy balance. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's uh it takes both, you know, it takes two to tango with it. You know, you have to have mm -hmm. a, a player that can understand when it's business and when it's fun as well. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've talked some about your career. Uh, first and foremost question, biggest question, got it from your roommate, former roommate, shout out Benny. Oh no! Dude. He said, "Since you're you're in the U.S. right now, um, until the quarantine ends, and you can come back over, uh, how much are you missing, Talis? <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to tell, kind of just a brief overview of what Talis is to people outside of, you know, Christina." <laughs> All right. The first part of that question, I miss Talis about zero percent. <laughs> and the more important part of this is Talis. For people who don't know, is like a one-stop shop in our town it's um it's a little bit of everything the best way i can put it there's sports stuff in the basement biking fishing gear hardware stuff um i don't know it's like a menards you know it's like it's that with like a sporting element to it coffee shop whatever's in there now um you know now this is the thing that's a great thing to have in your town it's not great going into it every single week when the merchandise doesn't change every single week the merchandise is the same for months sometimes so gaffa and benny loved dragging me in there and this is what they'd say they didn't say oh let's just go blow off some time that they go let's go check out what's new in talus every single week knowing there's nothing new in talus so my only way i could combat that was with the plunger video so if anybody hasn't seen that on my instagram yet i'll make sure i post it later today <laughs> give the give the people a little shock video <laughs> only way i can fight back um all right so you you mentioned bridges you mentioned that you trained there a lot of the off seasons while on the summer trip something we've been asking the bridges players to do is pick their ultimate five aside team uh with no mls guys and you can put yourself on the bench cool well. yeah i definitely would be on the bench uh to sub myself in for free kicks that'd be it Anyways, my five and also I'm salty about some of these five aside teams. Yeah, I get it. We got a lot of good guys and stuff like that, but dang, no friends in there. I've seen some of these five aside teams. I'm saying it's a uh, it's good thing that everyone's not you know meeting back up for bridges next week because there'd be a lot of awkward conversations. Oh, oh, there'd be an earful. I'd be giving it to some people. Anyways, anyways, I think my five aside. Uh, I knew this question would come too, so I was also wait I'd before you before you tell it. Shout out. Yanni Smed said, I worked at Taos 15 years ago. They have the same gear they do now. Told <laughs> me like a true reporter. This just in. <laughs> Got him. Oh, my God. All right. Sorry. Right, go you on. Said it. You said it. Not me, Schmetters. You said it. Um, yeah. So, my ultimate five-a-side team, uh, I'd have to go Abador in the back. Uh, for those who haven't been crunched by Abador in a tackle, <laughs> you really aren't living. You know, you aren't living life. Uh, Abador has smoked me a few times in tackles, and it makes me very hesitant every single time. So I put Abador in the back for sure. Uh, I put Jeff Ball in goal. 
It's a no-brainer. I mean, he's Polish. We stick together. Sick keeper. Uh, he's got nasty feet. Yeah, um, incredible hands. You know, incredible hands. Yeah, yeah, really, the ultimate great, keeper. Great hair. Hands. Beautiful. Yeah, smile. great. Oh, great hair. Great hair. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. So I'd put those two. Uh. As far as who else I'd put in the back line. Mm. I'd maybe take converted honest from forward to center back. Throw him back there. Okay. Because that's a calm back line. That's we got Abador and Honest. That's a calm back line back there. But they can both deliver a tackle. Um, so I'd, I'd chuck both of them back there. Uh, in the midfield, I will I will stick with my boy because Bulldogs stick together. I'm going to throw Lenny in the midfield because I, I've said this for my whole life when people ask me about Lenny or I explain Lenny as a player. Guy you want on your team every single time. Every single time. Last guy you want to play against. I hate playing against Lenny. I will tell him right now. Lenny, I hope you're here. I hate playing against you. Still to this day. Still to this day. I hate playing against him in Bridges. Um, so, yeah, I'd throw Lenny in my midfield for sure. He's earned it. Um, for a little a little flair, a little cheeky flair in the mid, I think I'd throw X in there. I like X. Um, or I'd throw Gerald Ben. Okay. It, it, it's what I'm looking for, you know? Um just that little for, extra. If I'm looking for that pure pace, Gerald, I got to. If I'm looking for the, the razzle-dazzle, I got to put X in there. Dude, real, real quick with, with Gerald, I remember one day, uh, it was like his first week of training at Bridges. Oh, no. I look over, the man is wearing soft grounds on that turf in, at Soccer City. Soft yep, grounds. the Vapors, the Vapor soft grounds. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yep, said, that I'm was so him. glad you're on my team and not against me. <laughs> You can't trust the dude who wears medals in there, first of all. You cannot trust that. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I would. I definitely would have to throw him in there, I think. Uh, he's just unmatchable pace, realistically. He's just nasty. Mm-hmm. And he's in Finland, you know? You got to give him a shout. Up top, this is a tough one for me. This is, like, where I'm most torn. Because we've had some good forwards come through there in the day. I think, though, with, like, you know, like on FIFA when you're matching your chemistry on your team, uh-huh. You know, you got to keep the chemistry good. I think I've got enough, like, older dynamic players on there where they're kind of on the same wavelength. i got to use an older forward. So i got to put Woj up there. Solid. Silky pillow chest. I mean, what more can you ask for? The guy's got a banger of a left foot. Yeah. Easy. Easy. So I think that's my five-a-side team. That's a, that's a solid team right there, I would have to say. I think he put up a fight. We got, we got a shout-out from Sarah saying our, we're her two favorites, so – Oh, sweet. Represent. Um, all right. So what if you could go back uh, to, you know, 15 year old you, what would you what advice would you give yourself, you know, soccer specific? Uh, I would definitely say look at things more long term. Don't be short sighted. Um, one of the hardest things to do compared to to say, uh, I think it's an easy thing to say, but while you're in the mix, things are going 100 miles an hour and you think every single decision is your last, realistically, um, which led me to make some, I mean, hasty decisions in my career 100%. I mean, if I could go back on certain decisions, I definitely would navigate them a lot uh, calmer with more, you know, time in the approach. But you know, it happens, um, and you have to make do with the decisions you make. But I definitely say 15-year-old me, uh, trust the process, trust the work you're putting in, and know that something will come to fruition through it. Um, but relax, kind of enjoy some moments. Don't have to be so hasty, for sure. 
Right. That seems to be a common theme of the enjoying the moment. I think it, you know, it goes yeah. fast, but again, yes, you're trying to push high, you're fresh, trying to push on, but you still have to enjoy the process and where you're at. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> um, for obviously you're in quarantine, you're not um, here in, in Finland, you're stuck in Chicago. Um, has it been difficult for you to stay fit, stay ready when there's kind of uncertainty of, of when the season will start? What are you doing to, to stay prepared? Yeah, um, I think you're lying if you, you're saying it's just as easy to stay fit. You know, it's like nothing's changed. Sure, tons changed. Um, I think you've had guys on here that have said, you know, this is separation season in a lot of ways. I mean, you, if, if you don't think you've been challenged in your career, this is the ultimate challenge. I think this is the perfect test to see where you stand. Um, I definitely would say it's harder to stay fit while being home and not having, you know, a good group of guys that I'm on the field with, you know, growing with during a season, um, pushing me, you know, it's a lot more of, um, you know, holding yourself accountable, accountability to like the max right now. Uh, fortunately, I have still ways to train and I'm fortunate I have facilities available to me that are empty, you know, so still doing it is great and having a program to follow is great. Um, but no, I would definitely say mentally it's a challenge to stay fit. You got to really, you really got to key in. You got to push yourself. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I mean, it's the first time in everyone's career where they're training without a like immediate goal of what's next kind of right. when that right. goal starts. So it definitely is a grind. And I agree with that, uh, calling it the, the separation season. Big time. Uh, another question kind of random is what is your order when you go to the grill? <laughs> oh, oh man. Um, yeah, my order is the same almost every single time I get the, uh, what's the, is it the Kevin burger? Is that what we used to get? Yeah. Kevin burger. Oh man. Kevin burger every single time. I Side just, of those fries. I just got the Kevin burger, uh, this weekend, but I switched out the, I switched out for the chicken in it, but. I heard you and Benny do that last year, and I didn't know how I felt about it, but I definitely will have to try it next time. You got you to gotta give it a try. Shout out Timothy cooking in the grill. Big Tim. Big Tim in the grill. Uh, looking looking forward in your career, uh, what, what still are you hoping to achieve? Kind of what are your goals? What do you want out of your career? Yeah, so um, I tell a lot of young players your success a lot of times in your career, you have to – you have to pick and choose, you know, what you're going to view as a success. Um, uh, my goal still that I push for every day is to play top flight footy. I want to play the highest level footy I can wherever I'm playing. And that's always the goal, whether the country, you know, wherever you're at. Um, the goal is to climb the ladder, play at the highest level you can. Um, I think that's important. Uh, so that, that's what I'd say has always been my goal and I continue to keep as my goal. Um, but also, you know, I've had told players, it's like, I think, also, I can live a happy career knowing, you know, if I put it all in and say I don't make it to where that pinnacle I think I should or whatever. If my goal now or my thing I can attribute now to helping clubs with is helping these clubs get promoted, being a part of multiple promotions, you know, here, Australia, wherever, Finland. Um, if I can be a part of multiple promotions though, at the same time, like that's the due I pay, then I'm, you know, I can live a happy career knowing that I was able to help at that level. And that's what I got to take away from it. Creating that legacy right there. I'm trying, man. Trying. Um, to to our younger listeners that are trying to to you know decide on colleges, I think that's such a 
an overwhelming decision at times for younger there's just there's so many universities there's so many different factors uh what's your your maybe your top couple things that you you believe should be the most important when deciding where to go to university uh yeah i think you have to know what you're getting into as a whole especially in the modern day of football being realistic um university is still a great route for a lot of players it offers a lot of you know benefits you know a college degree you know having a backup for a future is definitely important and you can't say it's not um so i'd say if you know that that's what you want out of it and you know that you're going to sacrifice maybe potentially a little bit of your trajectory as a route you know going college route now sometimes you know as the modern day football goes they're saying it's too late by the time you're out of college if we're going to call a spade a spade you know for some people sure maybe it is for some people not really the case it really depends it's case by case mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think you just have to know going into it, is it a place you can grow, not only as a player, but as a person? Because essentially you're spending four years there. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd like to think, looking back on it, that it's, you know, if you're driven about soccer, that should be a priority, I agree. Uh, maybe more so than, you know, some of your elective classes and stuff like that, I understand that. Um, but also make sure it's a place where, as a person, you can grow and develop. Um, because four years is a long time to waste, you know, being short-sighted with one goal when you have you know five things you could gain from the whole opportunity yeah yeah absolutely um then we had one request to kind of first of all just say like what what nicknames do people call you what what do you call yourself all of that we want to hear in Finland, everywhere just in Where general <laughs> well uh, my last name is Kojelik, obviously, so everyone calls me Kaz. Uh, I haven't gone by my first name <laughs> probably since I've been like 10. Um, so Kaz is probably the most common nickname. Um, Gustav was the uh, the newest development of last year in Finland. Um, he'll be back, growing out the flow to be true Gustav again. Um, now there's some unsavory ones um maybe not my favorite nicknames i've been called in finland also uh musty mike being one of them which is totally unjustifiable um i'm not even gonna expose who gave me that nickname sitting at lunch um guy um, I, what I, don't know, called? I don't know who that was but that's uh it seems like a nickname that someone would only say if it fits the bill you know what <laughs> i'm done i'm done here um go go a little bit into the gustav story um you know because i think all of a sudden uh we were all used to cause and then on social media all of a sudden boom this guy with the headband mustache <laughs> no one knew what was happening <laughs> yeah so i uh in the middle of the season you know just had one of those mid-season epiphanies i guess where i knew that a change was needed um i shaved the massive beard i had I had grown out bleached hair. Um, I was like, you know, what can we do next? Cut it down to a mustache, gave myself a middle part and said, this feels right. This feels like I'm a, a proper striker from Stockholm, made his way over here. And uh, that's when I gave myself Gustav and I really let it ride. Did you, did you feel like you became more your true self when that, when that happened? I, I do. I think I can attribute my greatest goals of last season to just that inner that inner power I gave myself, embodying Gustav. I mean, it, it worked on the field, so I couldn't be mad, but it was something <laughs> else. 
<laughs> just didn't have unwavering support. We'll put it that way. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for being on. Um, I'll link your Instagram and all. If players have any younger players have questions for you, anything. Um, hopefully, get out of this quarantine soon, so we can see Gustav back on the field with those long-range sniper goals, holding down the midfield. We're praying. We're praying. Uh, if you if you're bored. Go to go to Cause's Instagram. He's gonna be leading a safari in his backyard. Just Venmo him fifty dollars and you can join. It's cheap, man. That's a deal. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. I appreciate Gappa. it. See you All right, bye.